Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. One of Satan's most powerful weapons is to lie to people. This will bring happiness. This will bring fulfillment. Get revenge. Take care of that person. You'll feel way better. He's a natural liar. These lies are directed to one area. The mind. How we think. Point number three. The battlefield is our mind. Did you know that every day, wherever you go, that you are participating in a war? Were you aware that you are the battlefield in that war that's been going on since the creation of mankind? It's true. God has been trying to wrest you from Satan's control since man first rebelled and joined Satan's side. Pastor Mark is teaching how God wants you to pick his side and then how to become an active participant in the war. You've been unknowingly on the side of the devil and now you need to learn what the battle looks like so you can begin to fight for God and for yourself. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Mark in Philippians chapter 4 with part 2 of his message. What are you thinking? Now look at Psalm 1-2 again. You don't have to write this down. There's three things that are happening there. First is attitude. Notice what he says. His delight. He loves to meditate. See, there has to be a loving of meditation. You have to say, well, Pastor Mike, you mean if I actually learn to meditate and understand the scripture and how it applies to me? By the way, meditation doesn't take an hour. Doesn't take you sitting down. Doesn't take you in a special place. You can meditate anywhere you want, all kinds of time, in five to ten minutes, just on the word, as the word begins to speak to you. Now, there has to be an attitude of wanting to do it. I'll talk more about that in a moment. Second, notice what the scripture says. Look at it. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and on the law, he meditates. It's not just talking about it. I'm glad you're here this morning. I'm glad you're taking notes. That's wonderful. But understand, there's action. It, it, a person asks, actually has to meditate, not just talking about it. And I want to give you a couple of illustrations how this will work, okay? To me, number one, meditation takes a little time. So it's like this sponge. This sponge can kind of be my mind. And I soak myself in a verse, let me just I just open up this morning and uh, find a verse that I can get to here and read it. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. 
You, you know my thoughts from afar. You know my mind. So I can meditate right on that. It takes a little time. I begin to thinking, okay, there's a God. He knows me. Whoa. He knows what I'm thinking. And he still loves me? Yeah. And so that begins to get it. It begins to what? Soak in. It's not like, hey, God, God knows my mind. Thank you very much. Uh, Telephone's ringing. I'll see you, God, tomorrow morning. No, I have just a few minutes, and it begins to what? Say it with It begins to soak in. It begins to soak in. That's important. That's meditation. It's allowing the Word of God to get into my mind, so I start to grasp. Will I always understand it? Never. But will I start to get it? Yes, because I can have the mind of Christ. Let me give you an example. If my wife's away this weekend, but if she came home, she's coming home tomorrow night. If she comes home and I say to her, we learned about soaking this weekend. And I want you to go take a bath. And I want you to put those smelly things you put in there and soak in the tub. Well, she said, well, why? Because I told you to. So she goes in the tub. When she comes out, is it going to be a good night for me? It is not going to be a good night. In fact, I'm going to get a sponge thrown at me. I'm going to get all kinds of stuff. Because she soaked in the tub because she what? Had to. But what if she comes home tomorrow night? She comes in the house and she hears water running. And I say, I have a little surprise for you. She walks in the bathroom, and there's the tub all filled with roses all over the top of it. And I said, I'm going to fix dinner. I just want you to soak and relax because you want to. Don't call me tomorrow night. It could be a good night. Do you get it? Now, bring your minds back here. Bring bring your minds back here. Okay. What's the difference between scenario one and scenario two? She wanted to soak in the tub. See, if you don't want to soak in his word, no matter if you do or not, it won't do you a bit of good. There has to be attitude. There has to be action. And number three, notice he meditates on the word what? Day and it's a lifestyle. It's not like, well, Pastor Mark, I've got this really big problem in my life right now. I'm going to soak on the word today because when I solve it, then I don't have to worry about it again. No, no, it never works like that. C.S. Lewis says this. We live, in fact, in a world starved for solitude, silence, and private. That's where meditation happens. Solitude, silence, and private. And therefore, we're starved for meditation and true friendship. You see, meditation quiets my heart. It enlightens my mind. It gives me divine energy. It purifies my heart. It enlarges my view of God. And it increases my love for Him. And it simply strengthens my faith. But this meditation, it's continuing to be transformed in my mind. Meditation is really a 24-hour awareness of God's presence, His power, and His principles. 
What does day and night mean? Day and night means simply this. When I take time to meditate on the Word of God, all during the day I'm going to be faced with things. And as I'm faced with things, the Word of God will come back to me. The, the ideas, the principles will come back to me. As I'm getting ready to make a decision, God's going to say, whoa, 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 that's not the right thinking. Because my thinking is always about me. And it's going to change my thinking. That's what it means. It doesn't mean I stop. Excuse me, I have a decision to make. Excuse me, I've got to go over here and meditate for 10 minutes. Okay, no, I say, no, it becomes Colossians 3. Let the word of God dwell richly in you. So it's an ongoing thing. It's not something that's going to happen once. It's a lifestyle. It's an ongoing lifestyle of what's going to take place in our life. Now, I want you to write this down. Right thinking is the result of daily It's a result of daily meditation on the Word of God. Okay? Most of you liked it. Someone didn't. (laughs) All right. I have some homework for you. Okay? Just write this down. This week, I want you to go to Joshua chapter 1 and just read the first eight verses. Joshua chapter 1, first eight verses. Here's the story. Moses is dead, and Joshua has been given the privilege and the responsibility of leading two million Jews into the promised land. They've never been there before. And in those eight verses, you'll find God doing this to Joshua. Three times, God says to Joshua, be strong, be courageous. Three times. Ask yourself as you go through well, what was Joshua thinking that God would have to say to him three times? So we'll have fun with it. What was he thinking that God has to say, Joshua, your thinking's wrong. Correct it. Be strong. Be courageous. So that brings us to this question. That's your homework. Well, Pastor Mark, why do I have to meditate on the Bible? Why can't I just think right? I mean, I'm a good person. Why can't I just have the mind of Christ without the Word of God? Well, let me show you why. Turn in your Bibles to Ephesians. It's one book before Philippians, where you were. All of our campuses, Ephesians chapter 2. This is huge, and I'm going to ask you to circle three things as we look at these two verses. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. When you get there... We will begin to see principles. The reason I have to meditate on the Word of God. Here we go. Now, Paul's talking about all of us before we became believers. I'm going to read it in the New Living Translation. You might have a million other translations. Understand the words. I'll help you circle the words I want you to circle. Paul says, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world. Somewhere in there you'll have world or whatever. Circle it. World. Circle it in your Bible. World. And you'll see why I'm asking you to do it. Obeying the devil or Satan. Circle that. So you have the world and the devil circled. The commander of the powers of the unseen world. He, the devil, is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. Now, all of us used to live that way. Following our passionate desires and inclination of our sinful nature. 
Circle that. You might have the flesh or the old man or whatever in your Bible. The sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. So why do I need God's word? And why do I need to meditate? Why can't I just think correctly? Because of this. Number one, I'm going to give you five things to write down today. Number one, we are in a war, a spiritual battle. You see, the Bible tells us that life is not a playground, but a battlefield. Every day we are in a spiritual battle that involves the souls of mankind. This battle is ongoing for each of us, whether you're a believer or not a believer. As I said, when you came into this building today, you've been thinking about things. Situations in your life, all kinds of situations. And we'll see later, some of you are depressed, some of you are hopeless, some of you are stressed out of your mind. Some of you are not thinking at all about godly things. You're thinking about ungodly things and you wonder, where in the world did that thought come from? So we are in this war and the struggle is simply between light and darkness, freedom and bondage, right and wrong living, and bottom line, the struggle, the war, is about heaven or hell. The next thing you want to write, it'll take you a moment, is number two. Not only are we in the war, but here's our enemies. We have three enemies. Our flesh, our old sinful nature, the world system, and the devil. I'll explain those to you. So, attacking my thinking, which eventually makes me live opposite of what God wants, are these three enemies. Let me explain them to you. The first is our flesh. Now, you know that your body, soul, and spirit... Our soul is our mind, our will, and emotions. Your body. When you got saved, your spirit was made new. Your body remained in that old way of thinking, that grid system that you had before remained. So our minds have to be changed. Let me give you an idea. When you got saved, and, and, and you were saved, let's say you're a donut. Remember? I told you, you're a donut. Look, I see a donut for some of you. When you got saved... Your, your spirit was totally changed, free, no more sin, going to heaven, no condemnation, but you're still a donut. You're still left with your body. You're still left with the way you thought. Maybe you were raised in an abused home. And because of that, your thinking is always against these things. And so you become anxious and angry and bitter and jealous and very cautious Maybe rightly so in some of those areas, but most of them not. So what's going to happen? When our sinful nature remains, even as a Christian this morning, I've been a Christian more than 60 years, I have within me my old sinful nature that wants to be gratified. My old sinful nature wants to think about one person. Take your finger with me. Take your finger with me. Take your, and who do you think your old, your old nature wants to think about? Tell me. Point to who it is. If you point to your wife, you're dead meat. It's, it's who? It's me. I'm very selfish. I don't want to think about you. My old sin nature just says, take care of me. So that nature is still there in us. That's why marriage is a very difficult thing. Please me. And my old sinful nature says this, no way to God and way to me. We want to rebel 
instead of obey. So I have that. You have that in it. Unbeliever, you definitely have it in you. Christian, you definitely have it in you. That's an enemy of mine. I have to change the way that thinking works. Number two, the world. The world is the world system. It's simply the way people think and act without reference to God. The world system is hostile to God. The world system encourages people living to gratify their own self. Now, what is the world By the way, Satan is over the world system. And don't miss next week, because I'm going to have this amazing true video of Google and Facebook, how they will filter what comes when you ask for a search. It's amazing. And you're going to see how our world is beginning to focus us, how it wants us to think. And we're, some of us, many of us are totally unaware of it. So the world system has to do with politics and art and music and religion and amusements and thought patterns and lifestyles. And it wants everybody to conform to its culture and customs. The world hates nonconformists, which are Christians, who live for not this world, but for another world. Let me give you an example. If you um, watch television... And what do we see from the world system in television that we didn't see 40 or 50 years ago? Here's what we see. Divorce is okay. Affairs are perfectly fine. If you're a teenager or you're going to live with somebody, you definitely need to live with them before you get married. Because, I mean, how else can you know them? You can't know somebody if they're going to be the right spouse unless you live with them. Let me just tell you this from a biological standpoint. If you think you need to live with somebody before you get married because you wonder if it works or not, it works. Everything sexual works. It's the spiritual part that will not help you before marriage, but after. So you say, well, Pastor Mark, are all those things really in the world system? Sure. Just take a look at every television program, by large, 95%, 95%. Every television program, almost every news program, and what will you see? You'll see adultery, homosexuality. You'll see a divorce, all kinds of affairs, kids living with as many kids as they can, having sex with whatever, going after the richest things of the world, not caring about anybody else, as the normal, average, definitely the moral way to live. Am I right? Well, how did that happen? Because the world system began many years ago to squeeze us into its way of thinking. By the way, everything I just said to you is 100% opposite of the Word of God. But see, now I'm the weird one. That's exactly the way the world looks at it. It has a reason. Because Satan has played mind games with us. And we think that's right. You go out to buy something, you can't afford it. You get something you don't need that you can't afford. That's what advertising is. Wait till next weekend. Hello, Super Bowl. And by the way, when we see the Super Bowl ads, any of them sexual, are they, are they sexual for a reason? Well, doesn't, sex doesn't sell. When were you born? Is there a reason for it? Say yes. Who is behind that? God or Satan? Yes. Is sex good? It's fantastic. In marriage. Las Vegas didn't design sexuality. God did. And by the way, 
What happens in Vegas? Forget it. Who came up with that? You'll have more homework next week with Joseph and David. It's going to be exciting. All right, here we go. I just said that because that make you come back. Now, here we go. Number three. First, first enemy, my flesh. Second enemy, the world system. You'll see more how that works in a moment. Third enemy, Satan himself. Do you know how much of our world, including so-called Christians, don't even believe there is a Satan? They're already deceived. Satan has one goal. It's not complicated. Here it is, John 10.10. Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The devil tempts to seek to attract people through the lust of the eyes, the lust of flesh, and the pride of life. But he has a huge gun that we are unaware of. Turn with me to John 8. John 8, book of John 44. Quickly, John 8, 44. Now, when I say truth, all of us really want to live in truth. We want to know what's true. We want to live in truth. With that context, look what happens in John 8. Jesus speaking to religious people who didn't get it. He said this. You belong to your father, the devil. You see, there's only two kingdoms, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan. Everybody's born in the kingdom of Satan. He said, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desire, Satan's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language because he is a liar and the father of lies. One of Satan's most powerful weapons is to lie to people. This will bring happiness. This will bring fulfillment. Get revenge. Take care of that person. You'll feel way better. He's a natural liar. These lies are directed to one area, the mind, how we think. Point number three, the battlefield is our mind. Now, I want you to turn to Romans, just a couple books back from where you are. I want to show you this. You see, as we think, we become. God knows this. Satan knows this. You and I have to know this. So we have to determine the thoughts that are coming into our mind, whether they're from God or from Satan. And we'll learn how to capture the thought and go, whoa, whoa, whoa. that is not a thought from God. But see, if you're never in the word, you have no way to do that because Satan will deceive you and lie to you. Today, Pastor Mark taught about another difference between God's way of doing things and the world's method. How the Bible uses meditation, you have noticed, is the opposite of how the world practices meditation. You found out that biblical meditation requires you to actively focus on something, God's Word, and what it means for your life, rather than passively emptying your mind. 
Lessons for Living is the teaching ministry of Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. We have multiple campuses to reach those living in Melbourne, Sebastian, and Vieira. All campuses meet each weekend and on Wednesdays to spend time collectively raising our voices in worship to our Most High God and studying the truth and blessings found in His Word. For more information, directions, and service times, visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and click on the church link at the bottom of the page. Next time, Pastor Mark will conclude the teaching, What Are You Thinking? He will continue explaining what the Bible has to say about your mind and how it is the battlefield between God and Satan. He'll tell you more ways to help yourself beyond God's side and how to resist the attempts of the world system to squeeze you into its pattern of thinking. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Mark continues teaching through this series, Contagious Outrageous Joy. That's next time on Lessons for Living. In a hurting world, a new hope he is given.